Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. We're your hosts and PGA coaches, Andy Proudman and Piers Ward. And these podcasts are really about one thing, making you better. Yes, on here we'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as players and coaches, as well as bringing to you special guests to help your game. Let's get into today's podcast and help you take charge of your game. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you're all doing well and excited for another podcast and we've got two very special guests on today. We've got co-founders of Vision 54, Lynn Marriott and Pierre Nielsen. Now if you've not heard of Vision 54, it's a breakthrough golf coaching program out in the US and Lynn and Pierre co-founded this years ago and it's been highly successful. They've worked with some of the, the best players in the world and they've coached over 100 golfers to tour victories on the LPGA Tour, the PGA Tour, European Ladies and the Japanese Tour. And they've coached also nine different major winners and four number one ranked players in the world. So to say they have some experience is an understatement. Now, Lynn and Pierce coaching is very much based on the human side of things, developing your human skills out on the golf course, which is often overlooked as golfers. We often think about the technical side of things, but we tend to overlook the human side of things. So in this podcast, Lynn and Pierce share with you how you can develop your human skills, whether it's about practicing, whether it's about managing your emotions, so you can really ultimately play better on the golf course, have more fun, and get more out of the game. Now, if you're new to the podcast, then make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe. And if you enjoy these, please leave us a review. We will very much appreciate it. So without further ado, let's get into today's podcast. And please welcome Lynn and Pia. Pia and Lynn, welcome to the podcast. It's uh, such a pleasure to have you on. How are you both? Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm staying home here in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> and, and using this to be what we call healthier, happier, and better. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you guys on, something that we've been wanting to do for a while now. We, you know, we love the work that you guys do, and I think we were first exposed to your work in, I think we were talking sort of before this, me and Pierce, it might have been 2006 by Carl Morris, um, and he was talking of your work, and we've obviously seen it a lot over the years, and uh, love, the, the, love the stuff that you do, and it's a big part of our coaching, and it's a massive part that's overlooked really and um, hence why we wanted to get you guys on to share some of the, the great knowledge and experience that you guys have got and to help those really. Um, I'd love to talk about how Vision 54, how it all came about and, and, and sort of your journey as coaches and to where you are today. I'd love to, to, to get you guys to share that with us. Yeah, well so I'm, I'm from Sweden and, and for me it started being a player, as a tour player, and I played on the LPJ tour. But it started more that I was getting a little frustrated because I knew I had a good swing and I was making cuts, but I wasn't winning. And everybody kept saying, "Pia, you put too much pressure on yourself." But I, I knew that there was some mystery to it, and I knew I could play differently on the course than what happened on the range. So first, it just started for myself, and then I ended up being a helping out Swedish players and, and as a coach. And I thought, I was just going to do this for a little while. But I had to figure out, how can I help these younger players? And I realized, like, I had very hardly ever had my teachers watch me play in competitions. I said, I'm just going to start watching these players more in competition and write notes, what they do when they play well and what they don't do well. Because I had to do something that their home teachers at the home clubs didn't do to help them and from my experience of playing on tour. And so I just started realizing that this is massive. <laughs> There's so much happening on the golf course we need to actually pay attention to. And I kept communicating to the teachers. And so the view of we need to look from where the game is being played is where it started for me. And before that, it started from my own frustration as a player. And then it just started evolving and started applying this to the, the players we coached. And you know, Annika Sternstam was one of the, the first players that were the first teams I ever coached and, and then when I went to the US and went to conferences I kept running into Lynn all the time <laughs> and you had your experiences yeah but just just also share the genesis of really 54 yeah the 54 came because I've been a little Americanized and I was getting frustrated that all these Swedish players 
they're really good, but they were so limiting. They always had excuses that our winters are so bad and our greens are not good enough and other countries are so much further ahead. So so we were just getting tired of it. And a, and a friend and, who I work with a lot, his name is Shell Enhager, started thinking about that. They had all made birdies at the home course at one time or another, most, most of them anyway. So we just started challenging them instead of excuses to think they have made birdies in just about every hole of the home course. And we just challenged them, how, what would it ever be to do during the same round? Like, how do you need to think? How do you need to practice? How do you need to swing? And challenge them to a different mindset. And that was how the 54 started, because obviously 18 birdies is 54. But it's the smartest thing we ever did, because it changed our whole culture uh, from that moment on. and changed. The, the view for us coaches because what do we need to know who do we need to be to support the player to go towards that vision so anyway so that's where I came from and then I kept running into Lynn <laughs> yeah so so my background is is that I played college golf competitively um, but then I went straight into the business of teaching golf and uh, got my PGA of America credentials and so my my early education as a golf teacher was all technical and, um, you know, I'm a voracious reader, so I you know, read all the books and I really tried to learn as much as I could, you know, technically about the swing and the putting stroke and all that. And also took lessons from a lot of different teachers. But um, so that's what I was. I was, a, I was a golf teacher, a golf swing teacher, actually. I didn't call myself that then. I just said I was a golf teacher. You got to observe so many great teachers. Yeah, too. I mean, I, I was fortunate. Uh, I got to watch Jack Rauch give Jack Nicholas lessons, and I took lessons from Bill Rogers and Jim Flick. These were all guys early, nice. you know, in the early eight. So anyway, um, I I was a technical teacher, and I was a pretty good one. Um, at least I thought so. And <laughs> um, people got better swings, and they got better putting strokes, and learned how to chip better, hit different shots around the green. They did all that, but. They went out to play golf, and they didn't play better. They didn't score better. And honestly, I didn't think it was my fault <laughs> because they had better <laughs> they had better technical skills. And so, but then I actually I got interested in it, and I thought, what what's missing? Like, you know, what am I not doing, and what are they doing on the golf course that I need to investigate? So I got interested in that and realized that you know there was so much more we needed to do to transfer the technical skills from the range to the course and then that we actually as coaches needed to be out there coaching them on the golf course and you know more than just a, a playing lesson that was strategic we needed to actually coach them in the skills to play the game so um yeah that's that's basically you know i got really interested in that and started being interested in human behavior and uh, skill acquisition and all those kind of things. Amazing. And I like how it's, you both obviously started as players and you wanted to maybe play and then sort of came into some problems and wanted to sort of figure out that sort of pathway in a very natural way, which is a cool story. Um, I mean, obviously, we're talking about the human skills, aren't we? Taking the human skills out onto the golf course. Do you think that the majority of people in today's game uh, are practicing wrong? Or not necessarily practicing wrong, but they're missing out on on certainly a, a bigger area, aren't they? Well, I mean, hundred percent. We don't think so. We actually we know from everything we see. But it's it's just how you know. I said it's we if we call us teachers and coaches of the game, we're kind of keepers of the game here, and we have led them to believe that if you only get a good swing in the range, you're going to be a better player. So it's kind of a in our view, we need to shift that because as long as it's a human being who plays the game of golf, we need to sooner or later, later address the human aspect of it and, and bring the technique and the human skills together. And so I think it's a, it's just a, a shift in, in the mindset that's going to happen. And the sooner it happens, the better for, for golfers all around the world. Yeah, and, and it's not a hierarchy, but it's a... You know, it's a parallel process of that. There's the technical skills of the game and then the non-technical skills, which are the human skills. Yeah. But I'll just say this about practice. Um, again, it's an area that we've been extremely interested in and we 
we spent a whole day with Anders Ericsson picking his brain. Looks about, like in the 2009 or something, yeah, way back. Yeah. <laughs> and um, actually, we're going to be republishing our, our second book, which is called The Game Before the Game. Um, and add a lot more of the the new science around practice. But I'll say again, this this my aha came about um, with working with a really good player who wanted to make a swing change, and it was actually a Swedish player that was also on PS Swedish national team, but she was at, at going to school at Arizona State, and we made this swing change. But we made this swing change um, in the context of the range. You know, and in the context of what I'd say a comfortable environment, like playing golf still at ASU. Um, and this was my big aha. We went to nationals, to the national championship. And as soon as we got there, Linda's old swing came back. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. We've just spent like six or eight months making a swing that, like, isn't there. It didn't show up, and it obviously didn't hold up. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we started asking people who were doing research in, in golf and practice. And um, actually, it was Dr. Bob Christina at UNC uh, Greensboro who said, um, University of North Carolina at Greensboro, he said, yeah, he goes, when we look at it, we think golfers probably have the worst practice habits than any other sport out there. And that doesn't mean that golfers don't put a lot of time into practice. They actually do. But what you know, this time that they put in doesn't actually transfer to playing better on the course. So uh, that, you know, started our journey with practice. Yeah, exactly. And, and just think, to yeah. explain, explain the, just with the human skills simply. So what we mean is that, you know, every, we are a human being in the place of the golf course and every human being, we have a body, we have a mind, we have emotions. And that is variable every day depending, your body varies depending on what you ate and how you slept and, you know, if you're waiting a lot on the course or adrenaline level and your mind changes, your emotion changes. So it's just having some foundational skills to manage that because otherwise the technical swing you have is not going to show up. So, so for us, we just want to get the mindset. We're always going to believe that the technical development is important, but it's totally insufficient for playing good golf to only focus on that and and it doesn't have to be that complicated but every player needs to figure out for their unique peak performance what do they need to do before a shot during a shot after a shot and between shots so it's four areas that we need to figure out something that's important for them yeah and and when we when we're talking about this as well so obviously from your experience of working with the, with with people doing this how big a change can you make by working at these human skills? You know, what sort of, what sort of, what have you experienced? So literally, I would say from going, I suppose the, the prime example would be someone who's worked really hard at their game with maybe another coach and done some fantastic technical work in getting their golf swing into a perceived, you know, good place. Then they come to maybe you, and obviously I'm going to name any players, but if you then offer them knowledge on the human skills and go through that how, how profound can this change be you know it can be super profound it's like having a big puzzle and it's just a, a couple of the main pieces that is missing for it to be <laughs> a picture but you know of course we've had been fortunate to have you know several tour players that have never won and if few months later they're actually major champions so that's a big deal yeah and like <laughs> that's a big deal Jutanagarn came and it was exactly what yeah. you just said Susan I mean we were like wow and then she went out to win five times that yeah. year Susan Pedersen the same thing yeah Russell, just, Russell, Russell Knox, Knox too he was yeah. he was mini tour player and then yeah he went he went to the next mini tour event and won it and then got into a web.com event and he won it and then he got into a pga tour event and he played really well like three events i mean directly after coming to the golf school yeah. and uh, and he got his pga tour card but i think what makes us even more happy is on what we call the real golfers the real golfers of the game for us are it's the other 98 percent of all the golfers <laughs> but but it makes us and we have you know Obviously, we, we get many, you know, fantastic um, stories of people lowering their handicap tremendously because it's just been such, the swings have been fine. They just haven't known how to put other pieces together. But I think what makes us even more happy, how many start loving the game again, 
They yeah. were often they have an expression that many come to us as a last resort. They've been everywhere. <laughs> so and we always say like we saved another one. <laughs> you know, that they find <laughs> function on the golf course and actually love the game <laughs> I, I think it's an I think that's brilliant i think you're absolutely right sorry pierce yep yeah. i think it's an important point to okay. talk about because everybody plays golf for different reasons as well and i think i think there's so many people who we see who play golf who who go out every week and aren't necessarily having a good experience they'll go out and they'll play and they're not enjoying it and it's like well why aren't they enjoying it and what are these things that are are limiting their fulfillment of the game and if they only knew how to use some of these human skills if they enjoyed it they'd probably play a bit better golf as well but their whole experience of golf would completely change so just on, on that note what are the what are the sort of what are some of the issues or the limiting factors that stop people from enjoying the game that you see yeah i think well you know one of the human skills that we we talk about a lot is developing emotional resilience and if a player hasn't learned how to be resilient on the golf course, because you're going to hit some bad shots, um, many players just hit the downward spiral and then keep going. <laughs> you know, and then their negative emotions compound, and the next thing you know, they they walk off the golf course with like, why was you know that was the worst four hours I've spent in a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so it, it, emotional resilience is just part of the part of the game is to learn the actions and the skills that you need to mm -hmm. actually stay resilient yeah and another piece we often talk about it is is actually how you react to each shot you hit on the golf course because ma many of us who play golf are high achievers or perfectionists so if we take that to the game of golf and that i i if when i hit the perfect shots i kind of okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. I stay just kind of new objective to all the few great shots I hit per up. And then anything less than perfection, I'm always like, oh, darn it, shoot. Oh, what's on the toe? It's not the right trajectory. So I'm always somehow criticizing anything less than perfection. I mean, that's a perfect strategy for being miserable on a golf course. Yeah. <laughs> so... We, we, we need to transfer that perfectionism into realizing, you know, just how the brain works in this case, that if I hit great, good, good enough shots on the course, I need to have some degree of being pissed myself. And then things I don't hit well at all be more objective to those. So it's totally re reversal for many how they uh, react to the golf shots on the course. And that can have a massive influence in, wow, I learned a lot today and like I had a good time. And I think another thing too, I often say that when I go back home to Sweden, because there many play like Sabreford, and it can drive me crazy. Because it's like the enjoyment of the game is only depending on how many points they have. And it's like, this, there's something wrong with this picture. So I actually had to test one summer, one day I asked a junior to be by the 18th green and ask every group that came in, you know, how was it out there? And just, he, I just asked the junior to write down what the answer. And it was like unbelievable how many disappointed golfers there were. And it was all about the outcome and missed putts and stable forward points. So we, I think we need to, of course we want good outcomes, but we also need to have appreciation for what we do in the process of playing the game and, and have a different mindset like we talked about now so we can perform better, but we can more often have a good time out there too. Yeah. And I, it's I, interesting I if you... Oh, go on, Karen, yeah. then you, Karen, sorry. No, just, just one more comment is that, you know, we explicitly ask people who come, whether it's a tour player, number one player in the world, to, uh, you know, somebody new in the game, you know, we ask them, why do you play golf? Mm -hmm. And we have them explore, we ask them questions around what we call their spirit of the game, that they need to get clear about their intrinsic motivation for playing golf that is separate from their extrinsic, meaning their score, their handicap, their ranking, how many wins, whatever, uh, their, their statistics. Um, those are, it's fine to have extrinsic goals, but you need to have this intrinsic motivation. And many just haven't actually explored it. They haven't been asked enough questions to actually go, you know, the reason I really play golf <laughs> is, yeah. you know, and, um, 
So that that we feel like again, as as golf coaches, that needs to be addressed more um, directly. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's absolutely. I totally. You know, I think we're all in agreement on this. And this is going to be a lot of agreeing in this podcast, by the way. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's 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 interesting, isn't it? How when when you speak to golfers for the first time for this, and if they perceive in their mind that they're not ready, for instance, I think they because it's not. A quantifiable thing to them like my club face is closed or I'm swinging over the top they feel yeah. that it's just it's not for them or it's, it's hard for them to actually um, justify training it if it makes sense and they, oh, that, that surely that can't make a big difference but if you actually were to I don't think any of this what we do when we explain this to people it's not common sense to them and it's and it is almost so simple that they feel that that can't surely be the answer to what there has to be some very you know descriptive way that i have to get my game better that it has to be about club face and mechanics and physics it can't be about me simply not moaning about the condition of the golf course i mean i had a guy i'll tell you this quick story here i had a guy who i played golf with he was a client of mine he was a 10 handicapper he wanted to be off single figures and i played at his golf course with him for the first four holes all he did was he apologized to me about the condition of the course but in lots of different areas and i said to him i literally said to him after five holes i think it was i says do you do this all the time he says that's all we talk about when we play golf all we do is we moan about the golf course and i actually got him this is the craziest thing i actually got him to stop playing with the people he was playing with and within two months he was off eight handicap because yeah. he, I said, I says, if, if I hear that you've ever spoke about the conditions of the course again, yeah, you know, it was like a, it was like a, you know, a, a black note against him. It was just, it was so simple, really. And as you say, he's coming off the golf course, and if that junior was there asking him the question, what did you think about your game today? They'd have just moaned about the condition of every hole. Yeah, 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 exactly. But you know, to what the point you said, in you know, of, of course, we we the players or golfers doesn't believe it makes a difference of course we you know we've been uh, dealing with that for the last 30 years and but what we've learned from it is it's up to us to be more skillful in how we can paint a different um, and more modern view of the game where you that is yeah it's actually more modern the technical evolution has got so grand and now it's time to step it up to a new level and it's just to to do that, and for example, we often now start by asking any group of golfers three questions, and we say it's only yes or no. And we ask them first, is golf played on the golf course? And so far, everybody has answered yeah, yes. It's many thousands of we've asked. And when we were chatting with Brad Faxon about this, he goes, you know, when I think about it, every tournament I've ever played has been on a golf course. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And then the second. <laughs> the second question we asked them is this game played on the course is it played by humans and and they go yes and then we go are you a human yes and then we ask <laughs> so the game played on the course by human is it variable and so far everybody has said yes so <laughs> if you just listen to those three yeses and then you can have a discussion and, and talk about that that we you know Let's let's move this game like we know. You need technique. You need to know how to chip and putt and all that. But have all of you experienced that sometimes it doesn't work in the course? And every golfer, every golfer has. So we found the best way is just if we can get them on the course. It can only be two holes. They learn to swing like with two different tempos, for example. They learn to swing with lighter grip pressure, firmer grip pressure, because we need to have them get an experience of wow, that makes a huge difference. And, and then they are open to learning more. So that's why I think it's so important to make it real and tangible and get them to get the you know, intellectual understanding of it, but then actually get a little, little uh, taste of it on the course. And they're like, whoa. Or just haven't actually made a decision before you step into a shot. And just go on the golf course for a couple of holes and just see what happens to you. And then they realize, oh, my technique, I hit it better when I actually committed to something so that's why we feel it's less less talking and more exploring it themselves and then they're hooked and they get it yeah i think i think one of the the issues and the things that we always say is that it's probably part of the game that that the most golfers don't necessarily want but it's it's the probably the area of the game that they need the most so it's you know it's um it's 
it's not explored by them because it's not tangible and they can't see that grip change and they can't see that backswing move or and also a lot of people aren't necessarily they don't necessarily want to make a change of themselves you know to, to change themselves and their personality or, or you know to reacting different on a golf course it's a, it's a really it's a big commitment as well isn't it for them to actually really work hard at, at not moaning about their bad shots every time they come in it's quite a difficult thing for them to do yeah. you know it is but we feel the motivation comes once they understand like that how they react as you have something to do with performance and ball striking and all the things they actually do want so yeah. they need to have to understand it's not just for etiquette reason this is for actually being a golfer and then but then it can be the process of actually applying it, you know, they might need some patience with. And I think, we, you know, we, we try to do our best to educate them that, you know, all these human skills are definitely going to make their swing better and their stroke better. I mean, we wouldn't be doing it otherwise because, you know, that's the, the golf swing or the putting stroke or chipping stroke or pitching stroke, whatever, it, it you know, is a manifestation of everything else so you know we it that takes a while because a lot of a lot of players don't actually understand it so we do this little equation around humans technical skills times human skills yeah and when when people start to understand that that they may have really high technical skills but their human skills are much lower they're going to play woefully under what you know they're technically able to and um, but anyway, it, it is an education because you know, for many, they, they've kind of separated themselves, as you said, Andy. Like, and they're like, Oh, I don't want to look at that. Well, it's not looking at it, it's actually showing up every day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you need to look at it. Yeah, and I think it's just part we've been because of there's been such advance on the technical side, which is awesome, but also how teachers talk about it, what's in golf magazine, what's talked about on television, it's all amplified, it's all that matters. So I think now we know it's super, super important and it's still insufficient. So, and also going away from that, it's either technical or it's to go and see a sports psychologist. Or yeah. many still call us you know, mental coaches. And like, you know, we can't do anything about that, but we have never been mental coaches and so we're not qualified for it. We're, we're golf, golf coaches. And it's more than mental. You know, it's the managing the the we think is they're absolutely fundamental golf skills skills. And any time we talk to any great player through the history of times, anyone who we've been able to talk to, when they experience themselves playing great golf, they don't talk about the angles of the swing. They talk about these more human aspects of how they play the game. And yeah. I think they, they, those shouldn't be secrets that only they have. They should be brought to all of them. <laughs> yeah. And do, do you know what? It's interesting just thinking about this now. And, and I think many, I suppose, of the real golfers haven't got necessarily the luxury of, of going to spend two to four hours on a uh, on a golf course with their coach from, from time aspect, but also from a, maybe from a financial aspect as well. I mean, this, just thinking sort of ahead, it's it's... Now's the opportunity, I suppose, that with this digital age that now they can be educated and they can probably do it at a, a fraction of the cost and they can do it in the comfort of their own home as opposed to having to go and spend time out there and spend a lot of money with a coach. So it's a good opportunity to, to drive that awareness and to educate these golfers in order to do it. I, I mean, that's what I see. Yeah, I mean, totally. You know, even... When we wrote our latest book called Be a Player and every chapter has some exercises to do on the course and our wish with that book was that anyone can go out and do this and we promise if they do this exercise they're going to discover so many things to play better golf. So you know that was our mindset behind that book. The only investment is getting the book and then even while they play with their friends on the golf course they don't need to know that for six holes I decide to do a little you know, extra exploration of something. So that we, we, we couldn't agree more that, you know, of course, great coaching is great coaching, but we want every golfer to be their own best coach. That's yeah. our big wish. So now yeah. it's, it's a time to get going with this. And uh, there, I think there are many ways of, of doing it. And, uh, and and I think with these human skills, it's even better because they are best trained on the course. 
and they are very, you know, first-person explorations. So it would be better to go to do it by yourself first, and then figure out what questions you have for your coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's right. I think it's, you know we always talk about questions, don't we? About asking the right questions, and I think. You know, a golfer will generally walk off the golf course who maybe has got this, who's had this horrendous experience, which they then book down for the next time, same time next week. You know, they, they go through this process of doing that. They never, how we know that they're not really coming off the golf course and going, well, actually, how do I change this? How do I actually, I know I love this game, but all I do is moan about it. Maybe I can actually find a way of loving it and actually talking well about it. But people just don't ask those questions. So, just for someone obviously now who's just listening to this, obviously be a player. Look at that. That would be a great obviously addition to their toolkit. What what would you say is the number one starting point for them to to to, to literally question what they're doing in the golf course? Yeah, well, I Pierre said it earlier, but I think it you know I'll repeat it that if they could learn at least four skills, like something that they're going to do be, before the shot. So we call that the think box, but you know, that they get clear about making decisions. And then that they start to understand what kind of focus or awareness they need to have during the swing or over the shot. Yeah, we well, call it the play box, but they, yeah. they actually learn that uh, it's no time to think or I have a to-do list, but I have something I see or something I feel to the finish of my swing. And uh, that's like extraordinary important place yeah. to and then for many, because they've never looked at it, is their post-shot reaction. But then just understanding that, just a little bit of understanding and that it's a skill to actually manage your reaction as soon as the golf ball is headed somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And that that's going to have a profound effect on the future of your game. It won't, it won't change the outcome of the shot you just hit, but it's going to have a profound... we call that a skill... If we, call that a skin, if we call that a skill, Lynn, there's some very unskilled golfers out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's just so interesting because just learning that skill in and of itself, if they were just going to like learn one skill, um, we actually start that with juniors as they learn the memory box first. Yeah. It's the first skill. And, I said, and for many, even if, you know, go out and just learn after shot after I've been sticking my finish just to take two breaths before having any kind of reaction sometimes only giving that space of time makes many be much more sane as golfers you know just get rid of that immediate knee-jerk reaction you know remember I'm going to take two breaths before I can have any commentary and only like some simple things like that can have a profound effect on how things goes on the golf course yeah. So I, I would just say with those three areas, then of course the fourth area is between shots, but just learning something that's unique to you that helps you stay kind of recharged and ready for the next shot. You know, and that's going to be different for different people like um, Brittany Lincecombe, who we've coached, she did Sudoku puzzles between shots. When it was slow <laughs> play. Yeah, so she like totally dis disengages before she re-engages. Um, others, you know, are going to want to do more physical things. Telling jokes. Uh, yeah, all sorts of different stories of, of players that do different things. But I, I just think, you know, they need to go out and actually do something different in, the, in each of those four areas on the golf course. Brilliant. Great advice. Something that um, I think the majority of golf coaches in the world have, have all mentioned your think, play and memory box. You know, I think they've used that in some way. And I know we have with a lot of our clients and students. So it's, uh, it's certainly helped us along the years, you know, implement some good tools and some habits in them as well. So I'm sure the listeners will have even, hopefully, hopefully they're doing it if they're good with me and my golf watchers anyway. <laughs> Yeah, just, we'll tell you just a quick story about memory box if we can like when Suzanne Pedersen came for uh, for coaching she actually attended a golf school like many of the tour players that's her first um, experience with us and um, when we introduced memory box uh, she raised her hand and she said um, what what should I do she said I've never stored anything positive in my entire life <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I remember. I just said, I, I know that. I've seen it. <laughs> because she's from Norway. I'm from Sweden. So I had, you know, seen her as a junior. But she's the first time in her life she got interested because she had never understood it actually had to do with her future performance. 
she thought it was all the etiquette. But she, then, then, um, but it was interesting. So she she did have to work extremely hard at it because she's one of the worst we've seen of being negative in her reactions to shots. But it, it's you know the following year she actually won seven times worldwide, and uh, she, yeah, you know after about the amount of training it she said. I just have so many more shots I come up to where I just feel this go signal instead of no signal. And that's a big deal. Yeah. I think one yeah. of the key, the key things to this as well is is the self-awareness, isn't it? And it's, I know from from our experience, from, from when things are pointed out to you and, and you're aware, because I think a lot of the golfers out there, they're all, they're all doing this just by habit. They don't know that they moan a lot. They don't understand how they react after the bad shots. They don't necessarily have a process prior to hitting the golf ball. And as soon as we have that awareness where they go, oh, okay, I didn't realize that happened. Now that's the first step to go, okay, what could I then do about that? So now how can we change that? And I, I always remember back to when we first sort of delved into this area, myself and Pierce went on this course with, uh, with Carl Morris. And for the first week, Carl said, one of the key things that we took from that, it was like, don't use the word try. Just, just don't use the word try. And um, as soon as like we left the course, and every every day then for like two or three weeks, every time we said try, it came up. We're like, oh my god, I've said try again. Oh my god. <laughs> so me and Pierce were going backwards and forwards. We'd sort of yeah. catch each other out, and we'd go, oh, I said try again. But I think we do, we did it so much after that awareness now that we built up the skill to sort of to then not use the word try. So we will, we will never use the word try because of that training. But it, all, to, anyway. it, it all started with that awareness of, of <laughs> okay, but you don't realize something until it's, until it's pointed out to you, until you make that discovery. And I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's a super key thing. And, and actually, it's something the last couple of years we've come extremely aware of that there's so many more golfers because of the speed of how we're living. Maybe the stay home thing is gonna help with this, but anyway, the speed of how we're living and all the external stimuli we're getting, and we have so much great stuff coming, you know, trackman and numbers and video things, but it's all outside. So we found there's so many golfers that are less trained than ever to actually be aware of what they're doing. So even if you're doing technical work, you still need to be present in your body. But we feel so many golfers are jumping ahead and they get frustrated and they're not making changes because they are, they're not present in their body while they're making their, their motions. So we we started it, it was maybe two years ago, and we tested with some, with some tour players. So we, we just asked them to make practice swings. There's no ball, no target. We asked them, okay, I want you to make a, a practice swing and stay aware of I'll just make something up. I'm going to, we're going to stay aware of the uh, sensing relaxed shoulders. And hardly anyone can do it. They, oh, I lost it after takeaway. Oh, I lost it at transition. I mean, this is this, a, this, this, this is, only takes two seconds. Yeah. One, one thousand, two, two, one thousand. And then we check, like, okay, this time I want to make a practice swing and, uh, you know, see whatever, blue ball flight. And then, so we would go through maybe six different things. But we wanted them to actually realize that they can't even pay attention for <laughs> seconds because they're never, and they're not even feeling in the body. They said, "I know what I'm feeling," but it's they're just untrained. So we realized we need to like start at a different level. Any level golfer, even when doing that, or very much when you do the technical work, to first make sure. The present in the body, and they can actually pay attention, and then you can move on to other things. And I think that's it got it has become worse of first today than 20 years ago because of the times we live in. But it's so trainable and it's so easy to get that pretty good again. Yeah, but it, but you actually have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, just you guys had to notice. Hey, oh, try. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> But it's, but I mean, it's just so true. You can't change anything you're not aware of. No. So yeah. you need to bring that up to a conscious awareness yeah. for sure. But I think so many yeah. would be make technical changes massively much more efficiently if they took this step first. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and paying attention for you know for two two seconds 
is a doable <laughs> two seconds. Yeah, we know going to Tibet and doing a self-isolated meditation for six months. That's a little harder. <laughs> it sounds pretty good Actually, though to there's me. Some well-trained, there'll be some well-trained people in that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant you've been superb so far you really have thank you so much um we're going to do some quick fire questions we do these with everybody but i'm, I'm just going to do a quick one and this might actually be the first answer to this one here because i think it's so it's so impressive what you two have done with this with the you know with the with coaching and obviously you see it in bits through obviously you're very willing to share your information with with the world which is fantastic but you definitely see it through some of your players as well and i always remember annika sorenstam and this is perfect for obviously for Vision 54, shooting 59, being interviewed, and some they're, they're saying, yeah, that's an amazing round, 59, you know, 13 under par, that's absolutely fantastic. And her response was, well, I was actually five over. And but but in a way that she was obviously totally aware of, yes, of course I want to shoot 54. An amazing 59 is, I still believe that I will strive to get a 54. And I think that's. And I'm sure that's come from you guys. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't just her own, although she believed that. And I think that, you know, what you two have done, have done so far for the game has been amazing. So well done for that. Thank you. Well, it's, Thank you. It was in February 91, the first time we started to talk about the 54. And when Annika first heard it, you know, from then on, she always had a head cover with the 54 on it. And the first thing she told me, once again, walking off the green shooting 59, she said, Pia, and now it's even more possible now because she started with eight birdies in a row and she said i'm i know i got myself in the way yeah really it felt too good to be true and then she <laughs> yeah. caught herself back to doing the thing yep right okay quick fire okay. so who's impressed you the most with their human skills annika Sernstam. yeah and um <laughs> And I would say the last couple of years has been Area Jutana Garden because she put she put him right into right into play. You know, and actually, I have to I mean, I thought that we coached, and you know, many thought she would never have the capability of being the number one player in the world, but she did, and she did it not by how far she hit it or ball striking, but all being good at these other things. And, and, and how good was Annika? I mean, obviously, I mean, I know these are quick fire questions, and I've gone off topic there, but how good was she? No, she's re because she she's really really bright. But when she thinks made sense for her, and she always was wanted to get the facts and the science and all that. But when she understood things, she would just do it. And actually, it was just a few years ago we we talked to Annika, and I think about I don't know what it was. It was something about you know that you always focus on things under your control on the golf course. But we just shared with her that it can be a really hard process for many golfers to learn to do it. And she just said like I don't get it. Like you know. Why, why don't you just, you know, do it? Because it's the only thing that's ever going to work. I mean, she's still a matter of fact, and there was no delay. delay. She would never have that process, I'm going to try it for a month. That word didn't exist. <laughs> she said, okay, I got it. It makes sense. Like, for example, with memory box and how the brain works, she said, I got it. And she just took action on it right away. So yeah. she was very, very efficient and had no delays in program to use. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you could change one thing about golf, what would it be? Oh, that people learn skills on the golf course. Yeah. Yeah. I I would too, and and first to to that, and the first thing they learn is to pay attention to the finish of the swing. There we go. I think that's a really good one. Very powerful. Good. Um, oh, this is a good one. Best advice you have ever received? Oh, very best. Mm. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, that's a hard one. Because it's it won't be a, in golf or in life. I think both. I think either. Let's let's go. Pick one each, and you and you you decide. Well, I I think that piece of advice that I've heard and I really that our thoughts become reality so you know take care of your thoughts yep take care <laughs> of your thoughts I you know, from early on in reading and having many good mentors is that that you can always go for possibilities in life and in golf there's always possibilities 
I love it. You never I love know. It. Next, the next shot might be the best one you ever hit ever. There's always yeah. possibilities. Yeah, perfect. I love that. I love that. Uh, favorite golf course? Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've, really, yeah. I've always been a golf history uh, person, and uh, you know, I just love the feeling there and everything I can re-experience of what I know about the history of the game there. Mm. I, I I love the old course as well, but I have to say, actually, it's Pia's home course in Sweden. It's called yeah. Torkov Golf Links, and it's a links course right along the North Sea, and it's it's fabulous. You see some sheep on a couple holes, and you see the ocean from every hole. So it's okay. it's wow. fabulous. Yeah. Do, you, do you know one one thing? Just as you mentioned the old course as well, Pia. Just thinking about that. Do you think going to the old course, you're almost forced to have more of a human experience because of the history yeah. and because of what's going on? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I feel like in the whole, you know, I used to be a rules official and all of that, so I know some of the things that, you know, how things evolved. And, you know, it just gives it gives more in, in the, the spirit of the game. It just comes alive, just understanding how things have unfolded there. We had the best, best time was just the, when the women's open was the King's Barn and we had access, some extra time with Ari Yutanagan and she, you know, she's a young type player. She has no clue about the history of the game. So we, we had so much fun because we took a couple of hours and did it with her. We had a padding contest in the, on the Himalayan course and explained what that was all about. And <laughs> we knocked on the door of the St. Rules Club and they let us in and we, you know, we just to carry on even for these younger players who have never had a chance to learn about the the, the home of golf and all of that. And it's, I can cry. I just love that stuff. Yeah. It's beautiful. Phenomenal. Brilliant. Yeah, it's an emotional place, isn't it? Just yeah. So let's give you one more. So we ask this of everybody. So we'd like you to build the perfect golfer. Now we've got to think about this, Andy, because we normally just go with the driver the irons, the short game and the putting. But I feel like we have to be, I mean, it's probably going to be Annika anyway when it comes to this, but the, the, let's say we go with those four disciplines, but then let's go with the person who can manage themselves and who has the best human skills. Oh my gosh. Annika. Well, well <laughs> uh, you know, I think if you look at both Jack Nicklaus and Annika, they by far had so many more human skills in play. And, and Nicholas had a more implicitly, meaning like Annika learned a lot of her, the human skills obviously from Pia as a young golfer and then built upon them as she played and Pia was, was coaching her. But I think Jack, he did so many things that um, people didn't know about that made him an obviously uh, maybe the best golfer ever, maybe the GOAT. <laughs> so um, yeah. But I, I have more like an objection. I would never see it, and I know not Lynn either, that we would never ever build a golfer. Because that okay. implies that we are the experts. We want them to, we want to do the opposite. We want them to access their possibilities and we're guiding them, but we're not building them. It's like people ask us, you know, what place do you have in your stable? And say, so we don't have a stable. Because it implies we're we feeding them, taking care of them, and kind of being in charge. We have a harbor. They come for some rebuilding and refurbishing, but they should sail out in the open seas by themselves. So I never want to, would want to build a golfer, but I'm, I'm going to be the best guide and coach I could ever be to have them explore their greatness and their unique capacities that would make it work on the golf course. Yeah. Some it might be more technical that they need to get in place, and some might need to more of these other playing skills or human skills so it would be that's what i love about coaching because it's totally unknown every time you meet a golfer what is going to be needed and where you're going to go because you need to look at what are their capabilities what do they want and how can i be of you know be of use on that journey but i'm not feeling it <laughs> it's a good answer. It's a good answer. I like that. That's a really good answer. Yeah. You're polishing it. Great. Well, look, guys, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you both. Something that we've wanted to do, and, and certainly you haven't disappointed. I know our listeners are going to really enjoy this. We could go on for another hour, to be honest. There's so much we could talk about, but we're respectful of your time. 
<laughs> yes, definitely. We will do it again. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Um, so where's the best place for, for our listeners to go and find out more about you guys? Where should they go to? Vision54.com. Vision54. Sure. And then we, yeah, and then we're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all those all those things. That we have a little more time for for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And you've got multiple things going on the website as well, haven't you? You've got quite a, quite a lot of different things going on on there. Yeah, we do. And we've created like really, you know, what we found useful remote training. So you can weekly get assignments to do. And, and if you're at home, you can be out on the golf course. It doesn't matter. And so you can, no matter where you are, or if you can be inside or outside, like you can, you can of course always come and see us, but it's very good that there are remote access or through the books or we have an iPhone app too, that there's, we just want golfers to never have a reason not to be able to access these skills. Brilliant. Make sure you go and check it out, guys. Get the books, go and check out the website, and uh, you won't be disappointed. Make the most of, of this crazy time at the moment and educate yourself with some human skills. We know it's going to help you golf. Right. Thank you both. Thank you. Pleasure. No, we've pleasure. Said, Absolute pleasure. Before, obviously, about, about doing some content as well, some video content, and we can't make to way to be able to travel again to come and see you and we'll definitely get that sorted soon so i think uh, i don't know if this is quite the right phrase but spending time with you is infectious maybe infectious <laughs> isn't the correct word i should be using but it is you know we always feel like we can conquer the world after we speak to you <laughs> really good question we appreciate that good yeah. thanks Pleasure. guys we look forward to it great okay. thank you cheers guys so we hope you enjoyed the podcast there and uh, always a pleasure to get talking to Lynn and Pierre. Such knowledge and experience and hopefully you found some value in that. And if you did and you think it might help somebody else, then make sure you share that with somebody else. And if you enjoyed the podcast, remember to leave us a review over on iTunes. Screenshot this, tag us in on social. Let us know you're listening. Give us your feedback. We'd love to get your thoughts on the podcast. Now, if you really want to improve your golf this year, then make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com. This is a platform that we've created specifically to you, which is totally different to anything else that you're going to see online. This content is really focused to help you improve your game, not just your golf swing. We've got numerous coaching plans on there for the, that really guide you on a week-to-week basis to help you achieve your goals, whether it's fixing a slice, whether it's improving your driving, short game, breaking a milestone like 100 or 90 or 80. We've got numerous of these plans that will guide you through. We've seen amazing results. So if you really want to go deeper in this, head over to meandmygolf.com and you can start your free trial. Check it out. We've even got a private Facebook members group where all our members go to share their stories, successes, any tips that they've had that work for them over on there as well, which is great as well. So make sure you get involved. We'd love to see you over there and we look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast.